0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pericles Podcasting Club. I'm here with my good friend, <laughs> Jacob Dunlop. And um, I can't wait to get straight into
1: it. I, this is a guy that I've wanted to have on here since forever. I, I didn't know that it was such a righteous name. Where did he come up with such a name? Or well, I...
0: Pericles means, sura- the name literally means surrounded by glory. And I feel like at Stanford,
1: here, you're surrounded by glory. <laughs> <laughs> um, well uh, i could i could say similar yeah no being in this room with you glorious glorious setting i might add you're too flat well i mean let's just get straight into it what's
0: your what's your origin story what is your what is Boy, your? i don't know if
1: i'm like villain material. <laughs> <laughs> i feel like i'm cornered you the need Marvel your Hero. anime backstory man you um, need like It's like, oh man,
0: I was three years old when I was cursed by a lamb.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Huh. Well, I don't know. I I grew up in Kodiak, Alaska. I had uh, kind of a small upbringing. I was kept to 12 miles of road on a small island off the Alaskan Peninsula and I really didn't have anything else except for uh, crackhead fishermen. And i was born on kodiak alaska which is a small island off the peninsula um there's probably 12 miles of road quite really that uh have any sort of life on them but outside it looks like you know jurassic park or some sort of oceanic beauty um but even though the climate might be crazy and you're just surrounded by bears every day i feel like the people are a little more dangerous uh There's a lot of meth addicts, uh, a lot of gang violence. Uh, The two major gangs on my island comprised of, uh, there was kind of a white trash, um, trailer park living, uh, kind of shroom-taking brigade, and then on the flip side there was uh, people that came in as migrant workers from the Philippines. So we had quite the diversity Um, and, you know, we have a lot of, I don't know, communal stories. There was a huge coke bust where the Coast Guard card was uh, flying in coke uh, on huge federal jets one year. Um, But besides that, I I think that I really didn't see much of life. Uh, I've learned a lot since coming here and I'm quite lucky in doing so. Awesome. I mean well what's what's
0: what's Alaska like? I mean you can't just drop like two gangs and like not have like any like encounters with them.
1: I mean I, I, I have, like, I guess. I don't know. I I think um Alaska's a place where you wanna die, um, honestly. Like it's it's a place where you wanna just find quietness and emptiness and it's a good place to just be by yourself in your own thoughts uh if I had to have my origin story kind of wrapped up in like one thing it's kind of the openness to loneliness that I had while living there I, I find myself a little more restless now that I'm around like such passionate people and uh around so many things to do um while at home I I kind of just found myself uh being okay with that sort of uh social death or um surrounding death that kind of encompassed me in some ways i think it allowed me to bring life to so many more things
0: i think like some people i talk to at stanford like when i talk to them about like their (laughs) middle school experience it's like it's always so like it's always very lonely i know at least for me personally. I I felt like I always felt like I couldn't express myself. No, you had literal actual loneliness, so I don't want to compare it to that, but I, <laughs> <laughs> I was just I was just reading books, man. I yeah. was just reading books all the time. Okay. Um, and I remember I would read a lot about Solitude, about like Thoreau, about Emerson, but uh you know, you were actually in the in the forest getting mm-hmm. the the nape of life or whatever. I don't know, but tell me
1: about that. I I, I feel like it was ordinary um but i i really i i'll I'll say like sort of tangential things to people here and it'll like kind of catch them off guard but these are sort of uh like little quips that we have in alaska like everyone's very conscious about uh like life and nature and uh temporal reality and um it's almost like built right into like your everyday being with people um Every single year you watch the salmon cycle and everyone's economy is based completely off of this cycle that uh like furiously creates so many bodies just to be paid and uh, dissolved in order to feed their like progeny in the later generation. Um, I remember writing a poem about this when I was in high school that uh, like it was almost like feeding into each other. That, like, once you know, a salmon dies, once it lays its eggs and like breathes its last breath, it's really just going to uh, feed its children with its own like flesh and blood. And yeah. I think that's uh, something that kind of you really intuitively see. I remember just walking across the beach as a kid and seeing corpses just like littering the beach. Uh, and like all these maggots and flies, like living off of it. And uh, there's all these sorts of stories about um mosquitoes being eaten by fish, and you know, it's like feeding for. There's dessert chin Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> it's gonna be did you give me? Did you give me one? Did you give this me one? No, oh, this is a podcast, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah,
0: give me one. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah, no, um, good stuff, good stuff. Um, We had a uh, Mexican restaurant in Kodiak when I was a kid. Wait, no way. Yeah, it was like a little. How
0: How did. That I, don't,
1: I don't fucking know, honestly. <laughs> I have no fucking clue. But it was a Mexican restaurant. We had, like, we had no diversity, like, whatsoever. It was white people, Filipino people, and Native Alaskan people, and that was it. Um, but there was a Mexican restaurant, and we had, like, fried ice cream at this restaurant. It was uh, quite fantastic. Literally, uh, you'd go there, and you'd mouth-spoonfuls uh, of, like, this nice fried ice cream. I don't know. Have you had fried ice cream? No, what...
0: How is that even possible?
1: They just take really cold ice cream and they dip it in, a uh, batter and, like... It doesn't,
0: like, melt yeah. instantly?
1: Um, no. It, it has to be very, very cold. You freeze the balls with the batter and then you, you fry it. You deep fry it. It's quite good, actually. Oh. Have you ever had fried Oreos? No,
0: I haven't. I I should, though. I've heard they're really good. Yeah. No,
1: it's... It's... What part of this is Mexican food? Like, you're talking about a Mexican restaurant. I don't know. They I, This was what they had at this Mexican restaurant. This is the only food I remember. Do you I remember, you was
0: harassing my man? You had your own podcast yeah, episode. I, <laughs> was, do, I, I was, remember I was, like, right, eight, eight
1: years old. No, it's good. It's good. I remember I was eight, and I really loved uh, Judge Judy, and I wanted to be a lawyer. I thought that she... I looked up that she made, like, $400,000 a year, and I was like, wow, that's a lot of money. Oh, high, It wasn't the
0: service that got to you. It was just like, I just want to make bank. Yeah, no, I remember,
1: <laughs> like, I was like, I, I want to drive in a Ferrari and have women and be like Judge Judy. Like, when I was a kid, I knew it, I knew exactly what, like, American success was. Oh, is my chimichanga here?
0: Did they wouldn't allow? What?
1: Oh, okay, they, they allowed you to get two? Yeah, yeah. There you are. Wait, no way. Whoa, what yeah. the fuck? It's like interesting. It's, know, know. it's fried. It's a little. a little disappointing. Yeah. It's a lot of peanut butter. Mm. It's more of a peanut butter should chocolate, what'd you say? It's pretty good. It is pretty good. I was talking about. Really? Have you ever had oh, fried ice years. cream, Noah? What? Have you ever had? Oh, yeah, 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 I have. At a Mexican restaurant? Not in a Mexican restaurant. Well, oh, okay, never mind. I'm, I'm just from here. the Midwest, so fry everything.
0: Would you like something? Oh, I'm allergic to peanut
1: butter. Oh, very sorry. Very yeah, sorry.
0: I, can I can be around as long as you don't kiss me, Jacob.
1: Fucking <laughs> apologize to him. Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry for... you <laughs> good. That's true. I probably wouldn't have, like, bought. I'm like, hmm, this is peanut butter. I don't know if I would have noticed it and told you. <laughs> Do you know what peanut butter tastes like? Yeah, can I can you... smell it, so it's like, I already know. Really, you just, like, distinctly smell yeah. it, and you're like, that is dead?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Mmm. <laughs> There's
0: so much stuff I need to cut out.
1: <laughs> this is a pretty good dessert. Thanks to um, Elias' friend for giving such a wonderful thing to me. But, yeah, fried ice cream is front and center with moments that I remember, especially with wanting to be a lawyer. I just, like, remember sitting in that restaurant eating the fried ice cream, and I I thought to myself, I was like, damn, I can eat this every day if I make that bake. (laughs) I could be as fat as I (laughs) want, and, you know, wouldn't really matter. Wait, so, you still want to do law? No, no, that was when I was, like, six years old. <laughs> Even though I grew up on it in the middle of fucking nowhere, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, it really, uh, <laughs> really shows you something. I don't know. What are your goals, Ore? I, I've been thinking about this for a
0: long time, because I'm, like, I'm, like, 100 or 0, 100 to 0. Like, either I'm giving it my all, otherwise or I'm super lazy. When I first came to Stanford, I was just like, like my goal had just been to get to Stanford because I'm like, okay, I can figure out all my goals from then. Um, and then, you know, I'm in SLE, structured and I'm like, and I'm questioning all my goals. I'm like, you know, is, is do I just want to make money? Is that what I want? Um, and so it was really difficult. I think I want to do something that's like, you know, service oriented and like, you know, that's to do with, like, self-expression. Something that I can express myself through doing service. So whether that's, like, I think, end goal, I think it would be cool to do a lot of non-profit work, like, to, like, do, like, a really, really big non-profit. Because, like, I feel like I would be really good at, like, cutting administrative... It's, it's, like, nonprofit. it's, like, when you're working at a non-profit, all the things that, like, people hate, like, capitalists for like becomes like really good because like Mm -hmm. you're, you're cutting administrative costs. So it means every dollar that is going to charity is actually helping people. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you get to, you know, the more ruthless you are, the more you get to help people. And so I think I would really like to do something like that. Just be a stingy capitalist. Yeah. But for a nonprofit. So that, I think that would be awesome. (laughs) <laughs> um. Yeah, I think it would be to like I could like really, really, really help people, and like nothing.
1: You don't think that would degrade your morals in any way, being in that that environment? Well, I
0: think. I think that. I don't think it would degrade my morals. I think morals would be the thing that would that would like keep you pointed in the right yeah. direction. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I think you'd be around really great people. Honestly, yeah. this is something that I'm concerned about. Is whether I want to go into plant biology or neuroscience Mm -hmm. well at this university and I've just been meeting so many people in different fields um, and I've been realizing that you start emulating everyone that you're around Mm -hmm. and the plant biologists that i know at this university like i don't know what they put in their coffee but they're some of the most chillaxed uh, motherfuckers there are on this university um they're just very uh laid-back and beautiful characters and just really inspirational people and i i i, I think neuroscientists can be similar in some ways but they're not exactly the same. I wonder if it's a collective effort in some way.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Well, I, I mean, think. you could be the chillaxed neuroscientist, though. You I could start, start, start the, start the start cultural the revolution.
1: Yeah, I know. It's totally true. It all starts with you.
0: <laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. But what did you come to Stanford for, in your opinion? Like, what? Like, when you came to the school like what was like on your mind or did you just not have anything
1: Mm, it's a hard question i don't know i i don't think i really had a lot planned um per se because I, i really i started coming here for humanities and i thought that i might uh make art in some quantity, uh, but I think my main goal was to just meet people and really uh, make a lot of connections that will last the rest of my life that I want to keep close and people I, I want to look up to and see how they progress through life and where they go. Like, quite honestly, I don't know. I, I just. Really love uh, the connections that I've made here. I think that's a, a wonderful place for friendship. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any goals?
0: I when I first came in, I was like, I'm gonna save the world, man. I'm gonna like stop climate change. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do chemical engineering and I'm gonna do coding. I'm gonna make money and then I'm gonna use that to uh to uh I don't know, do something to end climate change. That mm-hmm. was that was my, and I was just thinking about that. I don't know. I might, I might, uh, I don't know. I, I, but I, whatever I do, I want it to be, uh, want it to be something worthwhile. And so mm-hmm. that's what I'm, I'm still kind of searching because it's like I'm, I, I want to. That's how I got into a lot of philosophy because it was just like you know I want to make sure like, whatever I decide to do like this is like, you know, even though a huge part of it was like I just want to make meet people. I want to meet people that I can, like, ex- express myself with, that I feel comfortable expressing myself with, because I just felt like I couldn't do that a lot in high school, which I think was my own fault, because I just felt like I think it was a little...
1: Who are some people that you feel, like, groups or types of people that you feel very close to at Stanford?
0: Um, I feel, uh, we have, like, a, a book club in my dorm. Yeah, and I, I feel really, really close to the. Who do you guys reading? Anna Carina. Oh wow! Yeah, we're reading Anna Carina there, and so I feel pretty tight with those guys. Yeah, um, sounds like some nerdy shit. Man. Oh yeah, it's it's some nerdy stuff, bro. <laughs> that's the uh, that's the move. We're, we're, um, yeah. Christina, she's bringing Oreos tomorrow. So mm. yeah, so Who's I. Who's in the book club? It's uh, me, Christina, mm-hmm. um, her friend Bella. Um, and then Adam, you know, Adam, yeah, he's in it, but he hasn't been coming regularly. And, um, this guy named, uh, Avosh.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Do you feel like you're going to keep some of these friendships? I, I
0: think they're, uh, I think they're super cool people. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, one thing that it's like the, the friends that like you keep for like a long time. Are completely random. You have no way of because like I know I have friends that I have known for like eight years mm-hmm. that I met, and if you were to tell me like oh this is the this is one of the people you're gonna know for the rest of your life, not only would I not, you know, believe you, I probably wouldn't have agreed with you at the time I had met them. Mm-hmm. I just think there's like there's literally like zero way to tell. Mm-hmm. Like some people is just like you're like you just get along with and you're just there. Yeah. What about you?
1: Yeah, know, for sure. I think, um, I mean, a lot of my friends are international, so they live in different places, and uh, I don't necessarily think that I'm going to be uh, geographically close to any of them where I live, but I would I would love to visit them, like, at points in my life, uh, maybe just do little circuits every year or something. Um, I think that would be super fun. I definitely want them to come to my wedding or something like that. I have this dream about uh, having my wedding in Alaska and just having all of these strangers like come to like, where I grew up and uh, we'd probably be in a village and I think they would have a lot of fun kind of seeing uh, what it's like there.
0: Be like Pitbull, Mister Worldwide.
1: Yeah, Mister Worldwide. I don't wanna. Yeah, bring my <laughs> my uh, all my closest encounters to uh, Kodiak, Alaska. I feel like it's. It, uh, Part, partly like this the the stupid stories I tell. I I feel like they probably think that it's made up or something, that when they land, like the the mountains will just be like a backdrop or something that just pulls away. <laughs>
0: dude, when I first met you, I'm like, There's no way this guy's from Alaska. <laughs> There's no way. Yeah. I'm like, dude, it's all like he's from SoCal and it's all yeah, a I'm actually actually
1: from Palo Alto and I went to Pali <laughs> Pali High School. But yeah.
0: I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I can't. I can't even imagine what that'd be like. <laughs> uh, yeah, a wedding,
1: man, dude. I don't know. I don't know, <laughs> dude. Like me in a wedding. <laughs> yeah, being me a... in a wedding dress. <laughs> yeah. You know it's gonna be fire, though. You know, you know, I'm gonna have one of the the best weddings that anyone would have. Absolutely. You're <laughs> done. <laughs> All the all the Alaskan elders are gonna make fish pies and stuff, and we'll be roaring uh, trap music. That's what we like to listen to in Alaska. And uh, you
0: have to make us gut the fish ourselves. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah, no, that will be bad. <laughs> you guys will cut off your fingers. Everybody
0: needs to gut their own fish.
1: <laughs> You'll be like Gordon Ramsay, showing them how to do it. Just pulls out a salmon. He's like, "Watch," or, or "I'll do it." You have know, ooze. We look yeah i like this question on your computer it says are you happy are you happy <laughs> i think I'm, I'm i'm generally a happy guy i don't know i don't like to gauge that i i just kind of see emotions as fleeting so i don't really judge them that much just kind of try to feel them you know i guess you yeah i uh I, I think that i'm generally a happy man i don't know i, I can be quite uh wrapped up in things but fairly happy yeah yeah
0: i think for me it's like you know a good goal that i'm going for and if i do that then it's like i think i'm all right but like if i'm just like if i'm just chilling then i just get unhappy so fast maybe it's like that, maybe that's the capitalist indoctrination that i need to uh i have a need to to serve uh i don't know but that's just what I've been realizing about myself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just a necessary uh, drive to serve. I think that we all have that in some way. Like We always want to give to each other. I was thinking about uh, social contracts today. Mm. Tell me about that. Um, I just, I, I find that uh, there's so many unspoken rules. Like, for example, don't just, like, go up to a cashier. Let's say you're, like, at a ca- cafe, Right. You're like, can I have a uh, a mocha? And then you just stick out your tongue and then go like, eek! You know, or something like this. Like, it's just, you don't do something like that. No one, no one told you ever. Like, you, you weren't like, oh, let's, uh... Your mom was, you know, never wrote that down and had you agree upon it. It's just kind of implicitly there. Like, throughout the day, you're expected to walk normally. Like, imagine if you just walked, like backwards all the time like everyone would think you're kind of strange right i don't know
0: man it's it's stanford man it's like <laughs> some kind of social experiment
1: <laughs> yeah no that's that's true i could see that i could see uh, someone uh walking backwards and everyone kind of thinking that it's a little little uh normal but i i don't know i i just find that uh, there's so many unspoken unspoken rules to uh the handbook of life and we we don't really necessarily uh, metabolize them all at once all the time but like I felt like it was a lot more normal to be weird in Alaska compared to here like no that that's would...
0: that's one thing I completely it's, it was way more normal to be weird in Pennsylvania as well yeah I think uh yeah no I completely agree
1: you think it's because people are uptight here or are they like too smart take themselves very seriously i think everybody here knows exactly how weird they are and they're
0: they're trying to be normal they're trying so hard to be normal (laughs) i could, but like everybody is
1: weird can you can you describe a stanford weird like what does that consist of
0: what what does stanford weird consist of okay well i don't want to expose anyone
1: i've met a lot of people that are like you know that like one girl in your preschool class that would like raise her hand and she was like kind of the teacher's pet yeah and she would like get mad at the boys for speaking too loud yeah I've met so many of those types like here just like very anally lawful like kind of uh, str- annoying people <laughs> yeah I, mean, I yeah
0: I get what you're saying but I don't know I don't know if that's weird though
1: yeah they're weird like there's only like one of those in your classroom at any given time <laughs> but those are the people that succeed you know that's true P- teacher teacher's pets are quite weird honestly were you ever a teacher's pet
0: i was a class clown
1: class clown yeah um, i was a class clown wow i used to just like give nicknames to my teachers <laughs> i had a teacher named hernichek and i would call him hernie gurney I had like mybers, my B's. Ben Jackson was B-Jax. I'll be like, be back or B-Jax, and then you know, like uh, they would call me Mister Dunlop though most. <laughs> Mister Dunlop. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, I know. Like, how are you, the class clown?
0: I would, dude. So like, no one would ever raise their hand in mm-hmm. class. So what I would do is I would be like. I would be like, guys, guys, I've got the solution. I'm like, Professor X. I'm like, guys, guys, I got it. I got it. And I would, I would, I would go up and put the solution on the board, whether or not I knew it. And I would get it wrong all the time, like, like 60% (laughs) of the time. And I'd be like, guys, I'm a genius, guys. I'm, I'm the smartest person, and, and everyone would make fun of me, like, the teachers would make fun of me, the students would make fun of me, but it was, it was, it was good, because it was, like, people were actually engaging with the class, they're, like, I've got to prove Ore wrong, I've got to prove, like, is not this dude, and I'm, like, it was just so much fun, and, like, I would say, like, three out of four teachers, like, absolutely disliked me, they are like, but I'd say there was a good amount that, like,
1: we, we were, like, really close. Who's a teacher you're close with that? of liked this quality about you
0: dude my physics teacher he i love that man um yeah i he i think he wrote one of my recommendations i worked so hard in that class um partially because i wanted to impress a girl in the class who um, was really smart but also because i loved physics and i was like even if i'm not good at physics i want to I want to do good in this class, and so, I worked really hard in that class, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: But you love physics.
0: Yeah, I love physics. Yeah, well, I, I wasn't good at physics initially. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I
1: do What does it take to be good at something? Do you think everyone's... Because this is something that I'm learning now, because I didn't really have that much of an education in high school, and I've been taking subjects that I didn't really have any exposure to up until coming to college. Um, And, like, I've been realizing that I have a lot more potential in those subjects than I once thought I did.
0: What does it take to be good at something? Um, I think... I think it's, 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 it's time and it's like, are you willing to, um, like, like, I feel like when you really get good at something, like you are sort of becoming the teacher as well. And that like, you, like you get a concept and then you start playing around with it and you're like, okay, like, okay, I'm learning about force, right? Now I'm thinking, how can I apply force in a bunch of different situations? How can I teach somebody else what force is in my mind? And, like, once you start... It's like a game. And, like, once you start playing at it, playing at it, playing at it, playing at it, then you you just put in the time and, and you'll get better. Like, well, like, for example, like, in chess, like, the best chess players, I saw this, like, the reason why they're good is because they've memorized a bunch of different board states. And if you show them a board state that they've never seen... Like that's like not possible. They'll be just as bad as any other player. Mm-hmm. They're just memorizing a bunch of the moves. They know. They know the game. I yeah. think a lot. I think most subjects are similar in that. Like once you learn the game, it's like okay, within this class of units, these are the manipulations I can do. Mm-hmm. This is. These are the different things. Once you. Once you do that, and you're just you just put the time in. I think that's what I'm thinking.
1: Yeah. No, I completely see that. I think that it's like a almost like a uh, world of mind that you unlock within, like, new subjects. I I find that my favorite thing about learning something new is that I can start thinking about uh, my reality within its uh, confines. Do you ever define your world by physics, Ray?
0: Dude, lately, like, I've just been defining my world by... Psychology, because I've still been reading too much, young bro. You got me in on that, and it's like, <laughs> oh my god, is everything just a fear of abandonment, bro? Is everything just a fear of abandonment? No
1: shit. Um, but uh, I can't be thinking like that. It's too. It's too abstract. Yeah, that's that's
0: that's fair. But I, I think I think thinking in a world just in physics is like, oh, are you a uh, are you a normal force? I I think I think that's ridiculous as well. <laughs>
1: I had um, had a professor this week talk about this religious experience that he had in the woods where he, uh, he just got done with this class in college and he did his undergrad at Yale and the class was on pattern reformation and gene expression. So uh, pattern reformation is where certain patterns will be expressed physically through your genetics. So let's say the like uh, your fingers for example are like lines that are stripes and they're repetitive and so they're like you know symmetrical and there's a pattern between each side of your body like each hand has its own pattern to it Um, and so like reformation is basically just like the generation of these patterns Um, it's very evident in things like trees and he was specifically talking about this one tree he saw in the forest and uh, he said this and it kind of stuck with me but he was he said that I knew where every limb and every leaf was on that tree all at once that I just looked at it and I consciously understood where everything was on that tree and uh, I found that like very beautiful that just like through studying one can kind of grasp onto the like i guess like platonic totality of something um obviously he didn't know where like you know that there's an ant on the fifth branch up like like i do but (laughs) like uh it's just very interesting to kind of have uh, certain subjects affect your uh, phenomenal experience of the world I think that's one of the joys of learning. In all honesty, is to just keep on thinking differently, to keep on evolving that sort of uh, moving camera that you have. Wait, tell me about
0: Heidegger. Oh, you phenomenology. Yeah, you mentioned that.
1: Um, yeah. So this is loosely defined by Thomas Sheehan, who's a professor at Stanford. So it's kind of disparate from other Heideggerian thought, which is he's uh, a German philosopher that lived during the second world war but uh he has this basic idea of phenomenology which is making meaning in the world so for example if i look at scissors i can be like oh these scissors are wonderful i can make snowflakes out of them and start cutting paper with these like snowflake you know like making snow snowflake patterns in them Or I can look at scissors and I can bring another meaning entirely to them, or their, uh, like, uh, purpose to me, which would be, you know, just keep them closed and stab someone to death. You know, it's like, one's innocent, one's not. Um, So the same could be said by, uh, for example, like, a sunset. Like, one can look at a sunset and bring... A phenomenological experience or a meaningful experience of oh this is death this is the like destruction of the sun the daytime one could look at it as well and be like oh that's just very beautiful <laughs> that's it's a wonderful sunset i love that sunset how romantic you know it, it could be either or and um it's mood dependent, it's dependent on associations that you carry for your whole life, uh, it's dependent on, like, your needs at that time, it's just a lot of different things, uh, also the social, like, the con- contract that I was talking about, like, just implicitly being morning when you wake up and you're expected to put your pants on your feet and not on your head, you know, um, like, it's just... You know we have certain meanings that we kind of ascribe to so but it's yours to make you can always change your lens like whenever you want um, but it's it's very uh, pertinent to things like art history but I also think it's very pertinent to things like bioengineering where you can figure out new meanings for things that might seem useless at one point, uh, um, make inventions out of all sorts of strange, useless, some would say, like, just sunsets that are deaths of days and make them into beautiful uh, sunsets that are romantic and awe-inspiring, but, yeah. I'm sure you had a lot of exposure to phenomenology as being part of the Slee community. Oh, yeah. Kind of thing.
0: I um. Yeah, yeah. We were in we were in sleep together along with uh, with Ellie. Structured liberal Education. What are your What are your thoughts on
1: sleep? I liked sleep. I don't know. I wish that we were online last year, so we didn't really quite have any sort of foundational community within sleep. But I really enjoyed the exposure to different sorts of texts that we read and different ideas that we were forced to really, like, peer through. Um I found it to be a very, like, fruitful experience in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely form it. And it's like, I don't, sometimes I don't know whether it was just because it was a first year at college thing or it was sleep, but it was like, man, definitely Period of your life where it's like before and after at least for me um yeah it was huge it was huge
1: i wonder if most people feel that their first year of college though
0: yeah that's what I, that's what i wonder too because it is like it
1: i think that we just had so many different kind of mind trips that happened all at once we had sleep we had college like first year And we had COVID just all at the same time. It was really quite the experience. Um, Yeah. I think only, usually people are only expected to juggle like one of these sorts of, uh, I like, I want to say traumatic events, honestly. Yeah, yeah. uh, Like, in a lot of ways, yeah, it's, it's exceptional. Do you think trauma is good for you, Warwick?
0: I think, is trauma good for you? I think it's, it gives you a lot of, no, well, I mean, it because, like, I think it gives you wrong beliefs about the world. Um, I know, I, um, like, one thing that, like, for, like, for a long time, um, I was always questioning, I was like, you know, is this person, like, is this person real or fake? Yeah. Is this, this does this person want what's best for me are not, are they a real friend or not? And I realized that like, you know, there might've been a point in my life when it was helpful, but it's like, this is not, this is not good. And I like, I've been around traumatized people and it's like, it's, it's scary. Like when it's like, you're, you're, you're doing something that's normal and then they just sort of like retreat into their shell and they just start like sort of shaking because like of some thing that somebody else did to them. And it's, like, and that's, like, horrifying. Because um, it's, like, I can't even help you there. Um yeah. So I, I, I don't think that kind of trauma is good. But I think there is something to be said in that, like, you have to know that, like, there are people that will, like, hurt you. And you have to be wary of that.
1: Yeah. True. Sure.
0: Yeah. What do you
1: think? Um, I think that I'm thankful for some of the stuff that I've gone through personally, but I don't think that everyone's experience is necessarily similar or great uh, in that way. Um, like I, I think I'm very privileged that I, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for it. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what does uh,
0: what does what does wisdom mean to you?
1: Be wise. Um I think a truly wise person has really never read a book or intellectualized anything. No. Like they they just lived all of it to the fullest extent and they they actually know like what real life is not from uh thinking about it and rationalizing it, but just from experiencing it. I think that's really what wisdom is. It's type of learning that you can't purchase or open a book and experience it's type of learning that you actually have to uh, live in and it's deeply rooted i think in that sense that it's it's not like a prefrontal cortex going deeper into all the rest of your regions of the brain and kind of encoding those but like more so just the encoding of those regions on the first hand like basis just uh, like riding a bike, you can read a book on how to ride a bike, but to truly be able to ride a bike, you have to get on a bike. Um, I think that there's a lot of professors here that haven't really stepped foot on those bikes that they read about.
0: I think that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, but
1: yeah, no, but I think that, uh, I honestly want to uh, experience a lot and hopefully be very aware and realistic with my own limitations and humility. So
0: Ben I think I think to be wise you gotta be like really stupid and you just gotta like go head first into a bunch of stupid shit. (laughs) Once you once you learn that's when you become wise. Yeah, that's what I. That's at least what I tell myself.
1: You do stupid stuff in high school,
0: or? dude. I do stupid stuff all the time, right? <laughs> and I get stupider, man. I get stupider. I think <laughs> <laughs> I. It was like the more the more I trust myself, the more I do dumb things, and it's like, you know, I would not have it any other way. Um, I did do dumb stuff in high school. Um, I. Uh, well, I don't think it was dumb at the time um i uh i um oh man i don't even know if i can say this on the podcast
1: so <laughs> <laughs> we'll <laughs> leave that uh, to the audience yeah, to imagine you to the it's audience probably the most heinous crimes it committed we just... <laughs> <laughs> it's just not a podcast we really.
0: not not not
1: podcasts you know podcast kosher pc uh, yeah 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 no i mean we're i think that uh, if there's not one thing in your life like that then i, I probably wouldn't be your friend so. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good um, what
0: are some formative
1: experiences formative experiences for me yeah oh boy um I had this uh, guy come up to me. I was walking to high school and uh, it was right outside of my high school. There was like a little bench and I was sitting on it and he, he drove up to me. Um, he was in a white truck and it was quite strange. I don't know. I had my headphones in and I was just listening to some music, some like punk rock. And I, uh, I was just really engrossed in it, kind of not paying attention. And I start hearing the screaming and he's like, hey, kid, 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 and I just look up, and he's, like, staring right at me, and he's like, yeah, you, come here, he, like, points at me, Um, and uh, it was, like, it wasn't that frightening, uh, partially because my high school was on the, like, far side of his car, so his window was not directly there like he he had the passenger seat in between us when i walked in front of his car but i i kind of couldn't get a good look at him so i kind of stooped down when i approached the car he was holding like a bottle of vodka and he must have been 60 years old uh withered skin like kind of greenish honestly and he was a little sickly looking he was uh i think he was Probably uh, like some Protestant guy. And he looked at me and he was like... Uh, he was like, yeah, you. Yeah. Like, do you know when I graduated from this high school? And I was like, uh, no, sir. And he's like, uh, 1975. And I was like, oh, n- nice. Like, I really didn't know what to say to him. But he, he was like, yeah, that was, uh, you know, probably uh, like... Uh, And I was like, yeah, like, 45 years ago? And he was like, no, 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 must have been 60. And I was like, okay, this guy is very drunk. Like, 1975, like, okay. (laughs) 60 years ago, sure. Um, But I, I, like, looked at him straight away, and I I was like, uh, okay. But he he seems friendly enough, you know. He has kind of, like, a kind, cadence to him and everything. Um, And he, he goes, yeah, we were the cool cats, I used to listen to cool music, I had long hair, and I came from this high school. And uh, one thing to know about my high school is it was, like, rebuilt, like, literally uh, the year that I got there. So it was probably one of the most beautiful high schools in all of Alaska. Yet it had some of the worst teachers inside (laughs) of it. Um, But... Literally, it was beautiful it was a beautiful building it had like a brazilian wooden frame and everything and all these like great metal interiors and um yeah it was quite a wonderful uh thing but yeah he he was like he just kept on ranting about kodiak and he was like you know this is no place on earth is like this place and i was like yeah i know it's it's amazing it's the it's the fishing it's the crabbing right because i saw that he had like a fisherman hat on and he was like no 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 it's something else and i'm like whoa what is it and he was like you know it's like it's like the spirit and i was like wow like <laughs> i was like yeah i love this place it's a it's a good place and he's like yeah, you know it's Kodiaks the the motherfucking shit, and he started grabbing my hand and vigorously shaking it, and uh, I just I just remember him shaking my hand and screaming Kodiaks the motherfucking shit over and over again, and I was honestly I was I was having a good time, <laughs> I was smiling, I was receptive, um, and. I don't know you, you can't really uh you can't really get this here like you can't really uh get a stanford alumni to drive up to you with a bottle of vodka and start shaking your hand and talking about uh herbert hoover and tower and how like during his day this and that happened so yeah no, it was a wonderful experience to say the least
0: we gotta, we gotta be the change that we want to see in the world.
1: No, entirely. All right. Yeah, I know. So, I don't know. We had a, a lot of different effects. I would say in Alaska, we just very uh, wild people. And I, uh, this person really uh, laid an impression on me. One because of how uh, pumped he was for Alaska. And number two, by how really Alaskan he was. <laughs> I think he he uh, very much encapul- encapsulates the libertarian pride of my state, which is not necessarily a good thing i wouldn't necessarily say that i'm quite libertarian but uh yeah no i i appreciated the his essence nonetheless I, I kind of admire it in some ways uh but obviously i'm not like that because i go to this university kind of feel like i dropped you dropped dropped out of the alaskan essence in a way like i think i uh since coming here, I've kind of changed a lot. I uh, In what sense? Like.
0: In every sense.
1: I'm much happier. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wear brighter clothes now. I, uh. You say that wearing all black? No, I'm wearing brown pants. <laughs> I wouldn't wear such a thing. I used to wear black socks. Oh, black you. pants, black hoodie. So
0: we're lighter? We're lighter?
1: Yeah. No, like total, uh uh yeah and that was normal like I I was considered very normally dressed just in all black um and everyone around me was yeah just kind of uh malnourished in a way like I think that we have the second worst education system we have uh intense domestic abuse it's not amazing honestly but uh That's why I I think that's why I'm really happy to be here. Like in a lot of ways, I think that I really appreciate like Stanford and what it's done for me Mm -hmm. in my life.
0: Ooh, one thing I wanted to talk to you about: orthodoxy.
1: Oh yeah, orthodoxy.
0: Anything that you feel comfortable sharing?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, entirely. So my both my parents are, I guess, teachers of theology, um, which is very different from what you would see in Catholicism or Protestantism and, like, the the Western traditions of Christianity, but nonetheless very deeply rooted still in, like, the crucifixion. Um, I would say that we're a lot more based in God being this presence that is so much greater than you. And really, it it kind of makes you feel miserable in some ways, right? Like, you're you're this lesser being, like, quite honestly, uh, than God, which makes sense. Like, I understand where that comes from. But nonetheless, uh, I think reading Brothers Karamazov, Uh you probably gained some sort of notion of that, in a sense. Uh, but, But... You know, we have prostrations and lamentations and asceticism and fasting and just different traditions of really like degrading your humanity um, in order to peel away any sort of logismoi or distraction, uh, what we call distractions from God. Uh, But God is a very loving and beautiful and all giving creator we also believe in things like sell everything that you have for example and god will provide to you which i couldn't say is the fact in protestantism because if anything they believe in missionizing and capitalizing on christianity and making it into an industrial powerhouse while the orthodox uh the deep deeply rooted uh pious ones and not not necessarily nationalistic Russia orthodoxy, but like much more um like the piety of the monks kind of shows more of a material uh fasting that you don't really see in many other religions aside from Buddhism and uh Hinduism.
0: Well it is uh Ramadan right now. Yeah. So there's some there's some fasting right on there.
1: Yeah, it's true, yeah, no. I mean, it's very, very similar. We have like a lot of days that we don't eat. No one knows what there's, what they're called because there's so many of them. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't eat, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't even notice today was Ramadan. That's so. That's 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 interesting. I didn't eat till sunset. Okay. Just naturally, though. <laughs> it's never you're, happened. You're already practicing. Yeah, <laughs> forgot to eat. <laughs> Yeah, I know. But, I don't know, do you know anything about Orthodoxy? What's your exposure? I'm always curious about this as, like, someone coming outside of the faith, like, what your exposure to this is.
0: So, Orthodoxy, I know Russian Orthodoxy. So, a lot of my exposure to it is through reading Russian novels. Um, I know that, and I might be wrong here, that... I think the... Uh, is the Holy Spirit different in Orthodoxy? Uh,
1: uh, it's not canal- It's not technically any canonically different, but I think that it's more so the culture that surrounds it. And that's why it's so hard to describe to people, is it's not necessarily that we're like... Um, canonically very different which we are in a lot of ways in a lot of senses and a lot of um, like methods but it's it's more so just the cultural type of energy that comes from our practices that are completely different than catholic practices it's um, and i wouldn't consider myself very religious or uh honestly i don't I don't know where my faith stands in the present moment in a lot of ways, but I uh, definitely uh, really cherish and hold on to a lot of the lessons and a lot of the humility that is from my religion. Um, but. Also, it's probably one of the most sexist and homophobic religions on the globe. So okay. it has a lot to work on, in my opinion. Um, yeah,
0: what, what is your stance on that?
1: Again, I just think it's from the people. Like, a lot of people will hate on religion just as a larger con- like concept. But, uh, like, if you look at science, for example, you don't really see people hating on science. Mm-hmm. No one's like, fuck science. I hate science. Science is one of the most like evil thing it's uh rationalized genocides it's rationalized euthanizings of like minorities it's uh caused like disease and plague it's uh you know driven different uh like sexist ideologies different uh racist ideologies throughout history no one's really looking at that or talking about it but it's completely true it's a it's a field of it's it's just a ontological field like entirely um, and I think the everyone will kind of look at uh, it's more so that the the fruits of the tree are more apparent than the roots and and i I think that we look at the the fruits of religion and we like kind of cast shit at them but um honestly i uh I think that it's mostly just the people's fault that a lot of the people that uh, weaponized religion were in a place of power, had a lot of horrible influence. And uh, quite honestly, the, you could do the exact same thing with Western marketing, Western media, Western uh, science. Like, in, any of these can be used to justify anything you want. It's, it's like uh, the scissors that I was talking about you can use scissors like religion and cut beautiful snowflakes or you can close them and stab someone to death that's my stance on religion though
0: i think i think that's fair
1: not to say that there aren't a lot of parts uh, of religion texts that are uh explicitly like homophobic uh and wrong Uh, i will admit that completely um yeah I think that's a,
0: that's a nuanced and fair take. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like, I, I. We we always point our fingers at institutions, but, like, it's really. You need to hold people more responsible for what they're doing.
0: Dang. You're holding
1: people responsible? Yeah. What maybe. are you, a, a right winger? <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely Personal not. Personal responsibility. Right. Uh, but you should be responsible yeah, entirely. I agree. I agree. You read, uh, you read Brothers K. Yeah. We love responsibility. Of course. Of (laughs) course. Of course. Yeah, no. Um, But yeah, no, the Holy Spirit is uh, more so... uh, It's kind of more nature. So there's, like, the three different... um, The Trinity is divided, like, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, honestly. But there's this strange parallel relationship between humanity, nature and uh the unknown so the unknown is the father because you can never know god he's the unknowable like light you know um uh humanity is the sun right it's the like unknown incarnate or the like thinker and uh the um holy spirit is nature it's like the driving force like it's underneath um the humanity in some ways but uh it's also like outside of us very uh integrated within us so i don't know i think it's a very nuanced and uh beautiful way of looking at uh, the trinity and it's not very literalist it's more metaphorical symbolic which protestantism does not have or contain uh that's not to say that orthodox people aren't uh, sometimes very literalist, like I've met a lot of monks that believe that the world is flat and that there's devils all around them What are monks like? Um, They're people that have spent their whole lives trying to uh, see uh, love all around them at every point in time but they're, honestly they're some of the most blissed out people I've ever met um and I'm not saying that condescendingly I think it's like a very uh, noble aspiration but I've met a lot of very smart monastics that you know went to very top uh, colleges and studied things like biochemistry and uh, engineering and um, they ended out going into monasticism I think because they had a very strong calling to trying to find truth. Um, I think that's what pushed my parents into studying theology as well as theology is so much more um, effective at getting to the core of what you can know and what you can't know than any other uh, sort of science. Like Let's say that you're in a lake and that you have a pole, and with this pole you're trying to find, um, you're trying to like search, just all around this lake. And the lake is fifty feet deep, right? And you're just moving this pole around, like grabbing onto nothing, and maybe like one 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 minute you'll uh, you'll grab onto a fish and you'll feel a little fish. You'll kind of know it, that it's there. And I think this is very much what science is like, that uh, you kind of, you know, take, you, you take a mass spectrometer and you shoot a fucking huge uh, jolt of energy. You measure a little boson, perhaps, right? And, like, you're, you're just kind of tapping on that fish that's in that big pool. But really, you're, you're never going to be able to uh, fully encompass, like, what that lake is filled with. It's just outside of your uh, scope of knowledge. Um, And I think that religion is a way of, it's not a way of combating that, but it's a way of coming to terms with that. It's a way of uh, acknowledging the unknown and different sorts of uh, unrational parts of life, different uh, unreasonable parts of life that are entirely beautiful in my opinion. I I see yeah and i see this as someone studying biochem like right now (laughs) so i but i I still have like a lot of uh i I see a lot of scientists and, and they're very humble people as well and i think that's because they realize that they are in a lake just trying to tap on a fish once in a while um yeah
0: they need more arrogance they need more philosophy no that's
1: what that's what philosophers are and what (laughs) mathematicians are because you know they they only tap on fishes all day that's (laughs) all that they do they just tap on fishes and they're like i solved the equation and all that their rod hits is fishes because that's what every single equation goes to is like completeness you know um I, don't think, I, I think that mathematicians start to grapple with the lake when they get to a certain level. But up until that level, like they are just tapping on fishes. Um, but scientists are very much just in the depths. Uh, they, I know a lot of people that study like just one type of grass for eight years, and all they're doing is trying to understand uh, stress granulars or some sort of protein inside of the plant. And they probably spend like four or five years just running tests on this one sort of protein. And you ask them a question like, what does this protein do? And they tell you an answer like, well, I don't really know. <laughs> they, they, they literally have no idea if they've spent so many years uh, trying to like understand it. And they might give you one or two answers that are kind of assumptions and they are, uh, humble while they say them, but they just are very unsure of themselves entirely.
0: What do you think motivates someone to spend, like, a quarter of their life on a piece of grass?
1: Um, because there's tens of thousands of people doing that, and after, you know, maybe a two hundred thousand of them, we, we can now create very generalized models of cells in computers, for example. Like that you can click a button and there you go, you have a eukaryote cell, like just looking at it. You could uh figure out how much uh what's going in and out of it based upon a different solution that you kind of conjure up within your algorithm. And uh you can figure out all the different generalized mechanisms within it. Of course this is very uh simplified. It's a it's we still do not know a lot of the effects and mechanisms and uh, sorts of, of environmental nuances within the cell. Uh, an example of that is um, there was a, uh, one of my professors was talking about an experiment that he did in college where he took mice and he put them on a hot pad right and he put them on the hot pad for 10 seconds and of course the mice would start like worming and dancing because it was like hot it was just scorching their feet so he would be like oh yeah okay so they feel pain um inject them with morphine this is like a horrible experiment uh and then put them back on the hot plate and this is why i'm working with worms and not mice is because of stuff like this but um He put them back on the hot plate uh, after injecting them with these opioids and they they would just lie down straight on the hot plate like completely unaffected um, unnerved by the temperature uh, until he put on an electric magnetic field and all of a sudden they would start feeling pain again now we now we know that uh, something about the magnetic field uh, interferes with the receptors In your brain within uh, accepting morphine but we have no idea why that occurs or what is happening uh, biophysically within um, the cell when when that occurs and it, it makes you wonder like all the waves that are going through your body at all times like how do they interact with the biomolecular components that are inside of you it's, it's it's kind of a scary thought uh yeah. because you have a whole entire field of biophysics that's only been really analyzed for the last 10 years it's like a very new field um and it's kind of taking off now within academia in a lot of ways but we we really didn't have the imaging technology or the uh like way of analyzing or collecting data to explore that field until we made like really state-of-the-art microscopes and uh, different devices to kind of figure out what's going on the cell. Um, Now we have these kind of uh, like microscopes that can track like protein movement and velocities and stuff in a blood cell that has like nine billion protein inside of it for example just little strings and each one is uh a series of you know amino acids it's just a chaotic uh type of complex environment uh, that you know a computer is barely able to render now and it's insane that we're able to render it in any sort of quantity in my opinion um so that's why i think why someone would want to do something like that that's why i would want to do something like that it's because it's it's kind of uh it's just very cool <laughs> it's, it's it's honestly it's it's very uh it's it's a very very cool field I, I like um i like imagining this other world like just within a cell that has all of these components and mechanisms that perfectly work with each other to keep the cell running and um it's almost like a platonic universe in a way yeah just a world of forms
0: You've somewhat convinced me. <laughs> like, I can, I, I can see it now.
1: Yeah. Mm. Well, wow. I think that's um, that's a good place to end it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I really had a great time. Yeah, thank very you. very enjoyable time. Thank you, time for you for coming on. on. Yeah. i will
0: we'll hear you guys out. Bye.